Hello, and welcome back to Dinner at Yifnies with your host, Takeham Ironhoof. Recently, in a particular writing group that I'm part of called Hoof Prints, I helped sponsor a writing contest with a particular focus on the creative use of chocolate. This will be the second of three entries that I personally selected to be read on the podcast for your listening pleasure. On tonight's episode, we will hear the story of Lucy and Abby, two lovers on the verge of getting married when tragedy strikes and Lucy passes away. After a time, the love between the two brings them back together in the strangest way. Before we get started, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Noxu, the guest artist for our little writing contest. Having had the opportunity to speak with them over time, I can say they are such a lovely artist to work with. I've personally gotten several pieces from them, and I'm always blown away by the quality of their art. If you're curious, or if you would like to get some art from them, I'll leave the link to their Fur Affinity page in the description of the episode. With that, sit back, relax, and let us drift away into another universe of furry fiction and erotica. Love in Chocolate by Ari O'Mara Six months ago, Abby's life ended. She was on her way home from an informal hand-fasting with her wife-to-be and their coven before the legal one at the courthouse the next day. It was a beautiful ceremony where they laughed and danced sky-clad under Celine's full beauty. The soft beams of moonlight haloing the pure white fur of her lovely fiancé, a mouse girl named Lucy, as Abby gave her the heart gift she had made specially for the occasion. A small, chocolate mouse holding a heart to its chest, beautifully handcrafted and rich white chocolate that Abby had spent days making and perfecting, carving and sculpting the delicate treat until it was perfect. Then they arrived. The day that was supposed to be one of joy and laughter turned into a bloodbath. Apparently, some local hicks heard about the little soiree in the woods, got drunk, and decided to go on a little witch hunt. They broke up the celebration with engines revving and screaming about how they needed to purge the world of the devil-worshipping sluts. Lucy, being the eldest, in rank if not age, of the witches, approached them and tried to calm things down. She had mostly soothed them all with offers of beer and food, telling them that it was a crazy bachelorette party and that they were more than welcome to join in. It almost worked, too. Until one rowdy buck in the back yelled out something about, Don't let the she-devil's lies corrupt you! Abby remembers the sound of gunfire and the soft gasp of her beloved like it was yesterday. Probably because she woke up every night hearing it in her dreams. The rest of the night is a blur. Somehow, she had grabbed Lucy and ducked behind the stone that they used for an altar. She remembers ripping up her robe to staunch the bleeding and a few more gunshots and screams of hate and pain before the sirens arrived. Apparently, someone at the bar overheard the hicks working themselves into a frenzy and called the cops. The goddess blessings on them. If they hadn't, the whole group of women would have been killed. As it were, only three of them were slain that night. Only. Lucy died in Abby's arms, clutching the box with a little chocolate mouse. They owned a tiny confectionery in town, and it was Lucy's baby, really. Abby could barely melt chocolate without scalding it, 
but she'd put her heart and soul into learning how just to surprise her new wife, and the mouse treasured it. Lucy had smiled at the gray feline, holding her close, and whispered their vows once more into the night air before she died. We'd be bound to play love and chocolate and flames. The paramedics couldn't do anything for Lucy. She was beyond help, but apparently Abby had also been shot. Little more than a scratch on the arm, but they took her to the hospital anyway for observation. She certainly wasn't in any state to drive. One kind paramedic was thoughtful enough to bring the box with the chocolate as well. Even if it was just chocolate, it was elegantly carved and clearly made with love. The next day, box in hand, and adorned with fresh stitches, Abby was bustled home by a close friend where she put the mouse in the fridge to keep safe, not sure what else to do with it. The coven had a ceremony this time in a more secluded location, owned by one of the elders to grieve and remember. Lucy and the other two young women killed were well loved by all, as tends to be the case in such small, tight-knit groups as these. They also took the time to let everyone know that the police were able to arrest everyone suspected in the slaughter. They also mentioned that a leader in a sibling coven was a hotshot lawyer who wanted to take on the case for free and get these monsters for everything they've got. And so it was. The next few months, Abby's life was a blur. Run the confectionery, give police reports, talk to the lawyer. Anything and everything she could do to stay busy, stay focused, try not to think about the box with the mouse was haunting her. Every time she opened the fridge, she could remember. When she woke up screaming in the night, she remembered. When she retold the story for the 100th time to her lawyer, she remembered. When the journalist pounded at her door, or she made another batch of chocolates for the shop, she remembered. So, she didn't eat, didn't sleep, just worked, just survived. But her life was over. There was no meaning. And it was to nobody's surprise when she got the news that they were dropping the charges on most of the mob that she broke. Apparently, most of the guys were just drunk and going along. They'd even tried to stop the butchery. But to Abby, they were all guilty. They murdered her wife and were getting off scot-free. In a fit of fury, the grieving feline threw open the fridge door and opened the box that had been tormenting her for the last few months. She hadn't looked at it since the ceremony, so she didn't realize that blood had somehow dripped onto the pristine white statue, a splash of red directly onto the heart in the mouse's paw. It was all too much for her. The crimson stain was a cruel reminder of the butchery of that night, and with a scream of rage and sorrow, Abby threw the edible trinket into the fireplace. As the chocolate began to melt, she felt her own fury begin to fade away as the dam that had held her together this whole time broke, and she finally broke down into sobs, bawling herself to sleep right on the living room floor. Abby didn't remember getting undressed and climbing into bed. She groaned and held her throbbing skull, feeling like absolute garbage but also 
feeling better than she had since the... Her head throbs again. She had cried herself out the night before, so she stumbled to the bathroom, hoping a shower would help revitalize her so she could think straight again. Thank the goddess she didn't have to work today. As the warm water cascades over her curves, the gray-furred Tabby's head eased up, and she began to piece small snippets she had missed in the groggy shovel from her bed to the bathroom. She hadn't tripped on clothes. Since Lucy had died, Abby hadn't cared about cleaning her room. She had been too depressed, and it was just so much work, so she had just been letting her clothes kind of just lay where she left them. She had only managed to remember to wash her clothes when her mom would visit and fuss over her for an hour or so and help her tidy up. But her mom wasn't due to visit for a few more days. Suddenly, the smell of frying turkey bacon hit her nose. What? Utterly confused, the cat felt herself climbing out of the shower and drying off. The soft sound of someone singing, If you like pina coladas, in a very familiar voice, had her questioning herself. That's Lucy's favorite song, and omelets cooked with turkey bacon. That was her favorite breakfast. What in the world is going on? She pauses just outside of the entrance to the kitchen and closes her eyes. She wanted to believe that it had all been a terrible nightmare, but she was afraid to look inside. Maybe Lucy's sister came by. They have a similar voice. It wouldn't be too weird that she liked the same breakfast foods as well. Abby was too afraid to look as she rested there and savored the memory of all the times Lucy would wake up early just to tidy the house and make breakfast, spoiling her girlfriend who worked long hours into the night to make sure everything was above board for their little shop. Abby must have made a sound, a soft, little sniffle, as tears filled her eyes, because the rustling in the kitchen stopped, and a soft voice broke the quiet. Abby? The feline couldn't reply as the sound of her wife's voice filled the home once more. Abby, it's okay, love. It's me. Lucy, I'm here. I'm not going to hurt you. Her tone was soft and soothing, as if calming a wild animal. I'm going to come around the corner, but please don't freak out when you see me, okay? I'll explain as much as I can. I promise. Before she can respond, a tentative head pokes around the doorframe and Abby feels all the blood drain from her face as she sees the pale, white face peering at her with red eyes. This is no ghost. This is something much worse. Expecting to see the albino white features of her dead partner, she's horrified when she sees that Lucy's delicate visage has taken a waxy sheen and large drops of white. Goo drips occasionally from her in various places, only to pull back into her body once it hits the ground. The feline faints. Moments later, Abby is awoken to the smell of white chocolate all around her, and Lucy's soft voice begging her to wake up. Please, Abby. Please wake up. I'm so sorry. Please be okay. The feline must have hit her head, because when she sat up, a lance of pain shot through her skull. With a small oof, Abby could do nothing more than sit there 
and take in her wife, who had scooted back and was practically cowering in a show of fear at rejection as the spots in her eyes faded. That expression in the monster's eyes broke the feline's heart, causing her to pause and really take a good look at the creature before her. Lucy had always been a tiny thing. Standing at four foot seven, she was towered over by even her petite lover, who only stood at an even five feet. But Abby adored her short stack lover, who, smallness aside, still managed to be curvier than a country road. Her love of sweets keeping her a little chubby, even with her high-energy lifestyle of hiking and rock climbing. Now, though, while the size and shape was there, she was only vaguely in the shape of a mouse. Her body had lost its fur, and in its place was a dripping goo girl made by what can only be melted white chocolate, which constantly dripped in long rivulets down her body that vanished before hitting the floor. Her eyes glowed with an eerie red, and there was another strange red glow that tended to shift and move within her chest. The sweet, goo mouse smiles weakly at her beloved and caresses Abby's cheek, clearly holding in her own emotion. Please, love. Let's have breakfast. Over the next hour or so, the two girls talked and ate and cried. When Abby asked how this happened, Lucy was able to explain. During the hand-fasting ceremony, we chose our words as jokes more than anything. But... We meant them with all our hearts. The goddess noticed and gave us her blessing, and our vows were accepted as a binding oath. So, when we were both injured... She makes a pained expression before continuing. Our blood combined and dripped onto the statue you gave me. The only thing that it needed to complete the spell was for it to be melted. And... That's how I was able to come back as a slime girl. Lucy's laughter fills the air as she wraps her gooey self around her feline lover, who shrieked with her own laughter and complained. Oh goodness, uh, this feels so weird. It's so warm, but also cold and slimy. Licking Abby's cheek, Lucy gives a mischievous grin. I can make it weirder. While you were asleep, it took a bit of experimentation to learn how to control my form. I found out that while my old physique is the easiest to revert to, I have pretty much complete control over how I look. I also know that while I can force myself to leave bits of myself for whatever reason, maybe you'll get hungry or something. She laughs to show that she's joking. But... I can't accidentally leave any trace of my body somewhere. I can also grow and repair myself with the addition of melted chocolate. Of any kind, really. Though it would change how I look, and it would affect my size depending on what type of chocolate and how much is used. As the slime speaks, she gently tugged the towel off her mate, who reflexively tried to protest but had always been a bit subby to the more dominant female, despite their relative sizes. I guess the point I'm trying to make is this. Sliding behind her lover, 
Lucy slid her viscous body around the gray tabby, enveloping her and spreading her thighs open while thick, gelatinous hands caresses her breast. At first, Abby was nervous as she felt Lucy's body begin to suck her in, but as soon as the warm, syrupy body began to massage her all over, she relented. Apparently, Lucy had constricted her form to keep herself smaller, but was now relaxing and expanding, making her able to cover the feline. Her mate, now held close with only lower legs and head free from her clinging embrace, was able to easily be picked up by the goo girl. The feline could do nothing but relax and moan as her body was massaged more intimately than ever before in life. The slime's touch is indescribable, almost like a warm liquid that teased and slid across her body, pressing her along her most sensitive areas. When she felt a thickened rope begin to tease and pressed along her pussy, Abby had to protest, if a bit weakly. What, what are you doing? Lucy, whose head never changed form even as the rest of her body did, smiled at her mate and kissed her cheek. We never got to consummate our marriage, Abby Tabby. And I know how much you love to bottom for me. Not to mention, I've missed you. I was in limbo for so long. I need to be with you, around you, touching you everywhere. Please. The passion and intensity in the chocolate slime's voice was enough to melt the feline's inhibitions. Tears in her eyes, she nods to her wife. I missed you too. Please fuck me, Lucy. I need to know you're real. It took no more convincing as Lucy lets out a sigh and gently starts grinding into her wife with a thickened bit of slime. Abby, for her part, was helpless to do anything but relax and react to the feeling of a warm liquid slipping into her tight hole, warming and flexing inside of her, drawing out deep, desperate moans. The slime girl didn't mention this to Abby, but wrapped around her body like this, Lucy could feel the aroused energies radiating from her mate as if they were her own. It was intense, and her new form demanded more, as if a starving creature tasting ambrosia she knew instinctively that she could feed off this energy without harming her mate, and that the more pleasure her mate felt, the more nourishing it would be to her. For the next three hours, the pair of them explored each other. It had been over six months since the two of them had felt each other's warmth, and they were making up for lost time. Of course, it wasn't just Lucy in charge. At one point, Abby had pinned her slimy lover down, and taken a bite of the mouse as a joke, acting like she was going to eat her little chocolate lover, and they both found out a new wave of pleasure. The feeling of her lover's teeth biting into her gelatinous thigh and then swallowing down a tiny bit of her flesh was apparently so intensely pleasurable for Lucy that she literally turned into a puddle. It took a few minutes of Abby panicking, thinking that she'd killed her mate again before Lucy could respond and put her at ease, slowly reforming a moment later, body still quivering in pleasure. Lucy marveled a moment later. They were calming down and cuddling a little after that incident. Abby was still a bit freaked out by the whole scenario, and Lucy had explained what happened. So, I think I'm a bit of a succubus or something. 
When you're playing around, I can feel your pleasure. And I guess I fed off of it, or something. It's not like I'm draining you of your life force or anything like that, though. It's more like, when you're happy, you, you let off a warm glow. And I just kind of soak up the warmth of the glow. Like a cat in a sunspot, so to speak. It feels amazing. She moans softly. But when you bit into me, I felt your playfulness. And a bit of me was swallowed down and suddenly, it was like basking in a hot spring. It felt so good that I just lost control of my form. Kinda like you get after I get you off about a million times and you can't move. She added with a giggle. Abby tried to glare at her mate, but the mouse had always been able to say just the right thing to lighten the mood. Within a few moments, the both of them found themselves laughing and cuddling against each other. The feline was just relieved that her mate was alive again and back in her life. It had been hell on earth the last six months, and she was grateful to get a second chance to be happy. The two women spent the rest of the day cuddling and enjoying each other's company. They cooked and cleaned and laughed like nothing had ever kept them apart, ignoring the big question of what to do next. Tomorrow could happen tomorrow. Today, they needed to reconnect and love each other. The next day, Abby woke up first. Before she'd even opened her eyes, she almost cried, thinking that it had all been a dream before she looked over and saw her sleeping mate beside her. It hadn't been a dream at all. Unable to contain her relief, the feline began kissing up the slime girl's body. The wet, gelatinous flesh was strange upon her lips, triggering the primitive desire to bite into it. But she wasn't really into vor, and that was a bit too weird for her. For now, at least. Besides, there were much better ways to eat her mate. Sliding her paws up to caress her wife's body, the tabby purred softly, kissing the mouse girl awake before trailing kisses back down her body and resting between her thighs. Lucy was already warming up under her touch and seemed to get only warmer when Abby kissed down her thigh and ran her tongue up between the moist folds. Sure, white chocolate for breakfast might not be the healthiest, but she was going to enjoy this meal heartily, and Lucy's moans and screams filling the room told her that the feeling was more than mutual. An hour or so later, the pair found themselves in the kitchen, making breakfast and chatting idly, before Abby leans back in her chair and lets out a big sigh. Alright, we've avoided the topic so far, but now we need to face reality. You died. She swallows hard and closes her eyes against the pain of that fact before clearing her throat and pushing on. What do we do now? I mean... I know that it's not unheard of creatures suddenly transforming like this, but it's so rare. And you literally died. Legally speaking, you don't even exist right now. How do we tell our friends and our family? Lucy played with her cup of hot white chocolate. She didn't need to eat or drink. Just the pleasure energies from her mate to survive. But she did like the extra mass she got from adding more into her system. She could actually harden and condense her body into a shell to protect the glowing heart that was her core of her being. 
If any other part of her body took damage or got cut off or tainted, she would survive. But if her core took damage, she knew she could easily die, and instinctively, she knew to protect it with everything she had. In that way, adding the extra mass was invaluable. She also just liked the normalcy of being in the kitchen, doing a morning routine with her almost wife. It was soothing. You've always been so serious, Abby. She smiles faintly even as she took on a faraway look and thought about what her kitty said. They had talked at length the day before about what had led up to her becoming a slime, and she knew about the lawsuit. You have to meet up with that lawyer today, right? How about we both go talk to him and get his opinion? Even if he can't help us, he might have contacts who can help us out. I'm sure my own testimony might be more than enough to get some justice for the others. Abby nodded and smiled back to her little mouse. That's a fair point. Maybe we can take a few hours and visit the confectionery later? I had to hire a new girl, but it's still afloat. Still doing well, actually. We had a few really big orders when the news got a hold of the story and were able to get a few new toys. Keeping the shop afloat was one of the few things that kept me going these last few months. I think you'll like what we've done with it. With a squeak of joy, the mouse half-tackles her mate to the floor, cushioning the fall with her own body, and says, Yes, please. Let's get dressed. I miss my shop. Picking up the laughing tabby, she carries her to the bedroom and deposits the feline on the bed before tossing clothes out for the both of them, murmuring, Thank goddess you didn't get rid of all my clothes yet. Not much later, they are in a fancy office with a hotshot lawyer, who also happens to be one of the elder witches in their sibling coven. That particular coven happens to be more open to males than their own, which was created more like a sorority. Most of the local covens were all on good terms with each other, and it was not odd for members to reach out and offer support when stuff happens. Jackson, a large male tiger, was absolutely outraged that something like this would have happened, and could happen at any ceremony, so he was more than happy to offer his services to bring them to justice legally. That said, he was a little surprised when Abby and Lucy walked into his office. He had known them both for years since he and Lucy were both elders, and the two females had been together for eight years? High school sweethearts. This is highly unusual, the tiger muttered for the third time in the last twenty minutes after the two explained what happened. He was pacing the room and rubbing his chin in thought. I've heard of slimes being made under unusual circumstances, but this is just weird. White chocolate? Who'd ever heard of such a... So you say that this was completely unplanned. This is just great. The media is going to have a field day over this. You know that, right? Letting out a deep rumbling laugh, the male regards them both. I can see the headlines now. Murdered mouse magically morphs into moose. Still cracking up at his own humor, he catches the shoe Abby throws at him before giving an earnest expression. Don't be like that. You know I love you too. And I'm glad to see you again, Lucy. Honestly. I was heartbroken when I heard what happened. And of course, I'm going to help you out. I'll call around. 
and get back with you tomorrow about getting all of your assets rearranged and sorted out. Thankfully, since you two were close to being legally married, most of everything went to Abby. So it should be pretty easy to get it back to you should you want it, especially if you two still plan to get legally married. He draws it out into a question. The two females glance at each other for a moment. They hadn't really thought that far ahead. <laughs> Lucy draws out thoughtfully, seriously chewing over the tiger's words before giving a huge smile. The mouse kneels on the ground before the gray tabby and smiles up at her. Abigail Taylor, under the sky and in the light of our goddess's grace, we have been joined by spirit and by magic. We are bound by love, by chocolate, and by flames. Will you also bind yourself to me by the American legal system and become my lawfully wedded wife? The act was completely unexpected and a bit silly, but Abby felt tears in her eyes all the same. The answer was always going to be yes. Oh, you! Yes! Yes, I will marry you! I love you! The next few months were a blur of court dates, wedding planning, and busting out a brand new line of candies for their shop. Lucy loved the new candy machines that Abby had installed, and with the new hand in the shop, they had begun making white chocolate mice with little red hearts. As for the rednecks, every single one of the original group of men were locked away for a long time. The buck who started the whole thing and killed Lucy was given three life sentences with no chance of release, and, though against their coven's code, a hex. May his food always be too hot or too cold, and may he slam his big toe first thing in the morning. It didn't bring the other two girls back, but it was an act of healing for the coven to torment a man who completely deserved it. Six months later, on the very anniversary, the women were officially wed. It wasn't a big ceremony, a legal thing. Silly, but was also cathartic for both of them. In fact, their honeymoon was a walk to the site where the bloodshed had occurred so they could place a flower on the altar and pray. All in all, they lived happily ever after, making chocolates, getting justice, being legally wed, and with a bit of nudge from a hotshot lawyer, the headline read, Murdered Mouse Magically Morphed into Moose. Married. And with that, we've come to the end of our story. As you've noticed on tonight's episode, we've brought in a few new voices to help bring more life to the characters in the story. I would like each of them to introduce themselves. Hello everyone, my name is Melody Stitch and I was the voice of Lucy this episode. I am very proud to be working with Taken once again. If you would like any business inquiries about me voice acting in any of your projects, please feel free to DM me at MelodySketch327 on Twitter. Or please feel free to also email me at MelodySketch327 at gmail.com. I'm open to voicing anything NSFW or Safe for Work. Any fandom, doesn't matter which. I can do anything from a small child to perhaps a young man. I can also sing if you ever need a vocalist for any of your projects. 
And thank you again to Takeum for giving me the opportunity to work with him again on this amazing podcast. Hi, I'm Soph. I played Evie. You can find me on Fur Affinity under my studio name, Dream Merchant. Or throw me a message on Telegram, which is at Dream Merchant Designs. Thank you, ladies. To conclude the episode, I would once again like to thank you for listening to the podcast and sincerely hope you've enjoyed it. If you would like to leave a comment, you can do so by visiting our website at www.dinneratyiffenies.com. You can also leave a voice message, sign up for notifications, and submit stories that you would like to hear on the show. And finally, good night and come again. <laughs>